Is it possible that you are acting like a bad boss, even if you are not trying to? Well, toxic behaviors are not just the manipulative or abusive or unreasonable behaviors that we often think of. And so today we are going to be learning about the various forms of destructive management behaviors so you can avoid doing them and being an unintentionally bad boss. A warm welcome to Tamara L., Chris P., Paula G., and Jennifer R. to the Modern Manager community. Today's guest is Rob Kalvaroski. Rob is a high-performance leadership coach and TEDx speaker whose quiet realizations give his audience loud transformations. Rob shares wise insights about toxic leadership, mental health, and finding purpose in life. Today, Rob and I talk about how to avoid accidentally becoming a bad boss and how to work with someone who has those bad boss behaviors. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. I am really looking forward to this conversation in large part because so much of what I talk about on the show are all the things to do to make you a good manager. But what we're going to talk about are the things that make you a bad manager and those things that we want to avoid. So uh, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me, having me, Mammy. And it's, it's totally something that, I mean, I have a long history of having toxic bosses as well as in some instances I've been one. And so for folks out there, because you're listening to this show, you've already distinguished yourself from the vast majority of toxic bosses out there. So congratulations. (laughs) All right. So why don't we start just at the high level? What is a toxic boss or what is a a bad boss? What does that look like? So maybe just lay lay us the groundwork. Totally. So this is where I like to take from the research and use the term destructive leadership. When they talk about destructive leadership, what they're really referring to is what's known as the global destructive factor, which is the long-term effects that these bad bosses have on their employees' well-being, as well as the ability for the company to meet their corporate goals in terms of profitability, productivity, and all these other things. And so that's really where I want to start with folks is, of course, I'm addicted to you and you know that you're toxic, right? Like we we love saying toxic bosses, but ultimately we're talking about not only the impact on folks' corporate goals, but also well-being. That is so important to to draw out both of those components because it's it's a little easy to say that somebody is just like terrible in the culture and then what the implications are are so widespread, right? There are implications on the business. There's implications on that individual. There are implications on the team members who are surrounded by people. So is there only one way to be destructive or are there kind of common ways that we see this destructive leadership happening? This is where we we can start breaking down the different, I guess we'll call them archetypes of bad bosses. The first thing I just want to mention is we're talking about behavior here, right? We're not talking about a person. We're talking about behavior. And last time I checked the research, being an asshole is not a genetic condition. So if you have any of these bad boss behaviors, 
all right, because we can learn to change them and you can listen to the other, you know, 200 and something episodes to help you move away from these behaviors. When we think about a bad boss, what are we really, often the stereotype is someone who's arrogant, unfair, verbally or physically violent. They punish their people when they just don't hit their unreasonable demands. I like to liken this to like a Darth Vader type. You know, Darth Vader's not listening to the modern manager saying like, how do I get better at leadership? Like, right? Like that's not a thing. So likely you listening to this, not part of that. And surprisingly, this is actually a very uncommon type of leader. Only about 5.5% of the workforce experiences a leader like this. What's more common is an, a leader that's known as the abusive narcissist. And they're approximately 19.7% of the workforce experiences a boss like that. These folks, they're ego-oriented, narcissistic. They break promises. They don't trust their employees, but do take credit for their work. And they'll use threats and punishments to keep people online. <laughs> they're wildly common, right? Like one in five people roughly has a boss like that right now. I had a few, especially when I was playing water polo, right? I had a few. I'm sure you're looking like you had one. <laughs> yeah. And I coach some people like that too. Well, at least know they need help, but still. That's the first step, right? And then we have the opposite side, which I would suspect a lot of your listeners fall into because these folks, they're not out to get their people. They're not abusive. They're not doing things that are like, you know, yelling at people or calling them names or bullying. Like these are actually on the passive side of, we call them passively destructive. And so we have folks that are called the cowardly bosses or ghost managers. They avoid confrontation. They don't really show an active interest in their company. They kind of avoid decision-making, avoid responsibility, and never really are there for their folks. My dad was one of these. <laughs> they have some pretty common phrases like, that's a decision for upper management, or I don't want to micromanage. Why don't you figure it out? My favorite, actually, one of my bosses said this to me once. He was like, I watched the Steve Jobs documentary and he says, hire the best people and let them run. <laughs> yeah, right? there's a there's a fine line between giving people the space and autonomy and decision-making authority that they are ready for and that they need to do their best work and between abdicating and really just saying, I'm going to keep myself out of this because I don't want to have to deal. So I'm going to be a good boss by just making you deal instead. And actually, nope, that's not how you do it. Totally. And this is the other, like, we'll get to this part more later. But often as managers, we have to be very aware of our team. Because for some folks, having a boss that says like, hey, Mammy, I want you to like go execute this project. And you're just like, all right, I'm going. I don't need your help. Like if I need something, I'll come get you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are other folks that you'll say that to and they'll be like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And that's the key as, as leaders yep. is understanding our, our team and understanding these other things. The next type of passive, dis passively destructive leaders called the messy bosses. Basically, these folks, again, they're not out to get their team. They're just they haven't really under they haven't really learned what management is. And so they're bad at structuring and planning. They flip-flop, they delay decisions, they confuse their people with unclear instructions. 
And really what you'll notice in organizations is folks where the team and the people, they're just not really sure what they're supposed to be doing. They often, they'll change direction all the time. And it's like, it just looks like chaos. That's because of a messy boss. <laughs> oh, yes. I know. I know some managers like that too, who are constantly changing their mind or they don't remember what they said. And so people are a little lost. So the, the cowardly boss is 7.9% of the workforce experiences a boss like that. And the messy boss is 13.7%. So all in like those together, roughly 20%, right? Then we have two combination types. So we have the passive aggressive boss, which they don't do the work, they don't take responsibility, and they mask their lack of leadership by being arrogant and unfair. We all have heard and know what passive aggressive is. is. And then the last type of the destructive folks is the passive egocentric. So they just want to get ahead and they'll avoid confrontation, but they'll claim your success as their own behind your back. I had a boss like this. Right. And so basically, and this was the, one of the advice I got early in my career. My mom said, Hey, put your name on literally everything you do, every slide, every graphic, every report. And it was because, you know, they, I mean, obviously this is not a hundred percent now that you can like just change names and like Photoshop stuff. Right. But it was like, we want to make sure that you're getting credit for the work you're doing. And so for folks out there, the passive egocentric, just over 10% of the workforce has one of these bosses and the passive aggressive boss is just over 8%. So not too high, but if we look at it in aggregate, 65.1% of the workforce experiences a destructive boss. That's a lot. And that makes me feel so good about doing the work that I'm doing because no one should <laughs> have to deal with that. Oh, it's painful. You mentioned some of the characteristics that we can look for. And I'm wondering if we first start talking about ourselves, right? Like, is it possible to have characteristics that fall into a lot of these different categories? Or are we kind of thinking more like, does one of these archetypes fit me? And if so, I can follow some strategies to deal with that. Assuming that, you know, we're, we're talking to some people who have some room to grow and get rid of some of these bad habits. Totally. And yes, folks will have a wide range of behaviors, Right. And this is just psychology, right? So like I would say, I tend more towards the messy side of things. Like I get ideas and I'm like, I go to my team and I'm like, I just got this brilliant idea, like execute it, right? And like, obviously I know now, like I have some self-awareness, so I know that there's one person I can do this with and there are other folks I cannot do this with, right? Because I'm looking for ideation, not necessarily execution. Right. So identifying and self-awareness is always the first step. And this is external self-awareness as well as internal self-awareness. The other side of it is you may have triggers. Right. And I love the podcast you just did about perfectionism. Right. And it's like, let's say, you know, you just delivered a client report and there was a mistake in it that's like catastrophic. And the client comes back and says, you know, hey, Rob, your work like this is a mistake and we know, and you're like, and then like you have that fly off the handle moment, right? Of course that could put you into like an abusive category, but it's likely not your dominant. So obviously managing your own emotions and stuff is, is very key. Yeah. That makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And 
I think one of the things that I'm hearing, which I think is just an interesting way to think about it is because we're talking about behaviors and not personality types or not kind of inborn traits, that it's almost like we we are all capable of all these behaviors. And once we've identified the ones that we lean into and that in the sense that no one is perfect, right? Everyone does things that are not helpful. So it's like a constant work in process, constantly kind of paying attention to when can I go this, lean into this thing because I know the person can handle it and it's going to work. And when do I need to hold back and be self-regulated and not allow what would otherwise be my natural approach, get in the way of, of what really needs to happen. I describe this and like, I do a lot of mindset coaching. And so we actually use the internal family systems framework. And so for folks out there, this is, this is an approach developed by Dr. Richard Schwartz. We've actually had him on the Leadership Launchpad podcast to talk about it. It's similar to that movie Inside Out, like the Pixar movie where there's like a 12-year-old girl who has like the little people at a control panel in her mind, right? It's like as we've evolved through our lives, there's been basically these hurt child parts that were created. And then we have defenders that sit on top of them to defend us from those hard feelings and that pain that we experienced. And these defenders make us do things like overwork, people please, hyper control, perfectionism, you know, working too hard, yelling at our people, like stuff like that are these defensive parts that we have that are basically doing these in moments where we're triggered. And so if we want to go deep into the mindset, we can heal these small child parts and then the defenders will naturally change roles or we can even build trust with the defenders so then they feel willing to let, to sort of chill out and then we can be ourselves and be the leader that shows up. There is also one book giveaway still going on. Gabriella Rosen-Kellerman of episode 268 is providing a signed copy of her book, Tomorrow Mind, Thriving at Work Now and in an Uncertain Future, to two members of the Modern Manager community. You must enter the drawing no later than September 1st. And so that's really ultimately the work that is valuable to folks, is really doing the deeper self-mindset work, because then you're not going to have that moment where you yell at your person because they got a mistake on the client report. You'll just give them feedback and under, try to look into the process with curiosity to understand what happened, what was the breakdown that led to this, and how do we fix it next time? How do we do that mindset work? Like, what, Where do we start? I know we start with self-awareness is like the first step. And maybe I, I'll just stay on this for a second. There are definitely times in my life where like, I know myself so well. And then someone says something to me and I'm like, Really? That's how I show up. And, and I'll actually give you an example. I, I got very frustrated at a family member and I, I felt like I exploded at her. And, I, and the next day I was like, I am so embarrassed about my behavior. And I went over and I apologized for like my inappropriate behavior last night. And she looks at me and she goes, you yelled at me? And I was like, did you not experience it that way? Because to me, I felt like my head was on fire and like I was just throwing flames. And so I think there's an element of self-awareness where we know about ourselves, of course, but then how people perceive us doesn't always align. So 
is there a way or or do you recommend starting with assessments or talking to your team members to try to pull it out from them? Like, how do we go about getting more accurate self-understanding, I guess is the question. You're not alone, right? And uh, Dr. Tasha Yurik wrote this book called Insight about self-awareness. And her research says that 95% of people think they're self-aware when only about 12 to 15% actually are. So we all think we're self-aware, just like we all think we're wonderful drivers, right? But we're not. (laughs) And she actually divides this to exactly what you're saying, Mammy, is there's internal self-awareness and there's external self-awareness. So internal is I know me, I know my values, my mindset, you know, what I like and dislike, like those type of things. And then there's external self-awareness, which is like, how do you look at me and how do I show up and how does that interaction feel to you? These are not correlated at all. (laughs) So you can have very high external social awareness or external awareness. So like I am very understanding on how I understand you're experiencing me and have little to no self-awareness or the opposite or anything in between. What's cool is she has a free uh, quiz on her website. I believe it's insightbook.com. I think it's something like that. But if you Google it, you can find it. It's not a bad start. But ultimately, you're right, is like getting feedback from your team is going to be the best way to do this. The other side of it is cultivating your own self-awareness, like your internal stuff. And so one is we do a lot of, like, as I mentioned, we do a lot of mindset work. So we start by helping folks understand kind of what are their dominant parts that show up as defenders or protectors, what behaviors do that drive, and why are we doing those things? And then often as we get into that, we can start to shift the behaviors, which ultimately shifts your leadership. It's a very defined process on how to do this, but ultimately just start with like, how are you feeling and why? And Notice those moments where we call them red flag feelings, but those big triggers. And I know you talked about it on one of your previous episodes and it was like, but the key is what is the belief about me in this moment? So I always give this example is I'm stopped at a stoplight. There's a guy in front of me. Light goes green. Guy doesn't go immediately. I get mad. Right? Like I get frustrated. The shallow answer, if we're looking at like, what's the feeling? I would say like most, most folks, and this is where you start and it's okay, right? It's like, it's that person's fault because they didn't go fast enough. Ultimately, we want to get to the self-facing belief or the belief that about my self-concept, which means it could be something like I am unseen. That guy doesn't see me because whatever, or I'm powerless to affect my situation. Like I can't get him to go. Or even it could be something completely irrational, which they always are, right? Like I am unloved. And it's not about that guy and him actually loving you or not because you don't know who they are. But it could be something like your mom or your dad did it to you when you were a child, which formed the hurt child part in your brain, which ultimately leads you to making, to getting frustrated when someone doesn't do something. Right. And so that's where the deeper work comes into play. That's like way, way deep from sitting at a at a stoplight. I'm wondering if you have a story from one of your clients or past experiences of how 
that kind of mindset work and going from wanting to understand yourself better and wanting to change your behaviors to actually changing them and kind of what that looked like for them? The biggest one I'll give is me, right? And and the reason I talk about bad bosses a lot is because my first job in mining, I had one. He was, you know, a passive aggressive boss. Nothing I did was ever good enough. I didn't know this at the time. This is me looking back as, you know, Rob today. It led me to having depression, uh, ultimately a suicide attempt in 2013. And the part that I talk about, which is crazy and why I want to help folks with their mindset is the next morning after the suicide attempt, I woke up and I went to work because I had no ability to choose to leave that job. Consciously, I knew it's killing me and I need to leave. But I had all this mindset beliefs about, well, you have to work, you have to make money because who are you if you don't do these things? And I'm sure a lot of folks out there, right? Like, I'm sure you've been laid off for a month or two, or you've been out of work or whatever. And you're like, you know, you start to get down that path of like, who am I? What's my purpose? Like, uh oh, feels uncomfortable. When, when, you know, when I go and talk to someone and they ask me, what do you do? Like, it feels weird to say nothing. <laughs> right. And so that's where I go with folks. Right. And, you know, I disassociated for six years after that because, you know, I went to psychologists and psychiatrists and I got help that didn't help me. And then ultimately I started doing, I found the right folks and the right processes and the right medications and it led me to leaving engineering to doing leadership coaching. And I literally just did a TED talk uh, a month ago and I moved to Costa Rica, right? And these are things that I never could have done, but because of the deep self-work, now I can choose to live the life I want to live. And that's far beyond anything I could have imagined before. Yeah. Wow, what an incredible journey you've been on and the the strength to take that journey because that's I feel like the self-awareness where we started is so important but then the willingness to accept some of those factors in yourself and to do something about it is is a whole different ballgame. It is. And let me just say something on this, right? Is none of that if you resonate with any piece of that statement that Mammy just made. It's totally normal. And it's not your fault because one of those protectors that all of us have is one that goes, I don't want to do this because of what I'm going to uncover. I'm going to uncover some feeling about myself. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not accepted. I'm unlovable. I'm powerless. Right. And it goes, eh, that's scary. Also that hurts a lot. But the, but if you have the courage to step up to the plate, your life will change dramatically in ways that we cannot even understand right now. I will say, I literally just said to my coach, I don't want to talk about this kind of stuff because I don't actually want to know the answers to it. And she was like, um, that's not how this works. <laughs> we're going to book a session true. after Mammy. Oh, we're going to get in the pocket. <laughs> oh, but it's true. But then even, at least for myself, I know that there are times where some, like I will have an epiphany or someone will say something that will really strike me as like, oh, this is not how I actually want to be showing up. But then figuring out how to show up differently 
right? That's hard too, because we're, we are so wired into our habits and our routines. And it takes a lot to make those changes. It takes a lot to be aware in the moment to do something differently, to choose. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or suggestions about how we make that, those steps into, okay, the, the presentation that I just sent off to the client, they had that mistake. And now instead of getting so angry and well, I'm probably still going to get so angry, but I don't want to <laughs> yell at my team member, right? Like I, I need to process my anger, but not yell at my team member. Do you have any thoughts or tips on how we start to change those behaviors once we have the awareness? Totally. And so being unaware is like, like I think I'm self-aware, right? And then Literally, since we moved to Costa Rica, like I started playing games again and I would go, yay, I won. Like it's this stupid like thing that I do. And my dog always barked after I said, yay. And I was like, what's going on? And then I realized that when I was living in Canada, that I would say, yay, when the delivery people came to deliver food to the house or like the Amazon guy would come and drop something off. Because like, and my dog obviously barks at everyone that comes to the door. And so like the first step is having that self-awareness and you're going to get that feedback from other folks in your life, right? And so having a confidant, either their folks at work that you can trust, a coach, a therapist, your wife, your husband, your partner, like getting as much data as you can is going to be super helpful. The second thing is starting to relate to those defenders and protectors and parts inside your head. This is where the work comes in, right? So, you know, it's like I'm mad at my employee for sending a presentation with a mistake, but it's like that part is not about, you know, it's not about, you know, Cindy from accounting, right? It's about me. And so what's the part inside me? that's mad, that's trying to defend me from feeling inadequate or not good enough or unloved or powerless or whatever. And here's the amazing part. It's not what we think it is. We think we got to, you know, silence that part or shut it down or tell it it's wrong, right? Like if you do CBT therapy, right? It's basically like, well, that part's illogical. Yes, it is, right? But where we need to go is give that part love and compassion because that's what's going to allow it to actually release its grip on you. And I can say this is incredibly hard because I have a part that's trying to kill me. And leaning into it with love and compassion in that moment where it's like, you should kill yourself is crazy hard. But you know what it's trying to do? It's trying to protect me from pain. And all your parts do that. And so if you can put on that lens of being a parent, it also thinks you're a child. So if you can put on your parent hat and parent that part like you would your, you know, your son or daughter or even, you know, nieces or nephews or even your like dog if you have one, right? Like if you can put that hat on and give that part love and compassion in that moment, it will relax. And the more you do that, the shorter that process can be. And literally for me now, I like have a thought and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm an adult, just go chill out. And that's 
literally as long as it takes. Well, we all have something to strive for. All right. <laughs> In our last couple minutes here, Rob, can you tell us about a great boss that you worked for? Did you have a great boss at some point? I hope so. And what made this person such a fantastic manager? Yeah, I, I mean, I have a great boss now. And, and the part that I love about it is just the ability for me to go out and innovate and execute and do what I want, right? And like, I think that's the nice part that, about, or what I wanted that was not a, available in corporate for me, right? And most folks who work in, especially your, you, you mentioned you had some government folks, right? Like you're not able to do that right? Like you have processes out the wazoo for everything, right? And so for me, I I never was able to work. Well, it didn't fit my personality, I suppose. And this is what I love is like, we're able to create, we're able to innovate, we're able to go out and I'm supported doing those things versus like, hey, you know, you're not following the process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so important to find that right fit. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Yeah. So the big thing that that I want folks to know, so I have a TED Talk that's coming out, depending on when you're listening to this, and it's about how to deal with an asshole boss. So one is if you haven't checked the TED YouTube page, it'll probably be on there. If not, head on over to howtodealboss.com. I've got a free ebook for folks. So if you want to learn about the different boss types that we covered today, and then also just like if you have a bad boss, which 65% of you do, what are some tips and strategies on how to deal with them? And I also have a program for that as well. So if you use the promo code modern manager, all caps, one word, We'll give you 50 bucks off the how to deal with an Apple boss program. And so you're welcome to access that as well. And then for social media, I'm on LinkedIn, Rob Kalvaroski. I'm on TikTok and Instagram, boss coach Rob K. So you can follow me anywhere. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you again so much. Such a fun conversation. I definitely have some thinking to do about myself now. So I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Rob is making his elite high-performance purpose playbook program available to members of the Modern Manager for free. This program supports people in becoming clear on their core values and uncovering their innate gifts so they can tap into their sweet spot and create more purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in their life. To get this incredible program for free, along with episode overviews, extended interviews, and more guest bonuses, become a member at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Mm -hmm.